Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Joshua and Caleb were two of the men chosen to spy out the promised land. God had promised that the land would be good, but what they found was even better than they expected. God is true to His word and His promises never fail. Here is part two of Cheryl's message titled, Background to Joshua. But to the children of light, it is insulation. Children of Israel, it's light and insulation. Moses is told by God to put out his rod, the sea parts, and they cross. Moses takes them across the Red Sea on dry land. Just recently with these hurricanes that we've had, um, one of the hurricanes, uh, Hurricane Irma, actually uh, drove the shore out um, over a mile um, in the Caribbean, one of the Caribbean islands. And not only did it drive the ocean back, it dried up the ground because of the strength of the wind. And we're told that God sent a wind that was so strong that it not only parted the sea, but it dried the ground. And it's on this dried ground that the children of Israel crossed into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Moses led them across and led them through the wilderness. There he interceded for God's people. There he gave them God's law. There he gave them the plans for the tabernacle. He gave them God's instructions. And when they came to the precipice or the edge of the promised land, Moses sent 12 men in to spy out the land. They were to say whether the land was good or bad, to give a description of the land and of the people of the land. Now, 12 spies went in. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, gave a great report. They said, the land that the Lord is giving us is an exceedingly good land. I mean, it's better than good. Where have you heard that? Exceedingly great, exceedingly good, right? Like the promises of God that are exceedingly great. The land was exceedingly good, beyond good, flowing with milk and honey, The produce was amazing. It had brooks of water every place. And they were so excited about the promise of God. But the 10 other spies saw only the obstacles to the promise. There are giants. There are fortified cities. These are well-organized armies. And they're un belief caused the people 
of Israel to commit mutiny against Moses. Not only were they infected with unbelief, but we're told at that time that they sought to find a new leader to take them back to Egypt. And they wanted to stone those with a good report. What a reaction. Here they are on the precipice. Well, there was a judgment for that. They were told that they could not go into the promised land. God gave them a forced U-turn back into the wilderness for 40 years until the generation of unbelievers had passed away and only the children those who the parents had said, did you come in to kill our children? God said, no, your children are going to live and inherit the promises. It's been 40 years now. Moses has died and the children of Israel are again at that very same spot, ready to go into the promised land. Moses has transferred already his authority to Joshua. Joshua had been among the Israelites. He's only distinguished. We only learn his name when it comes to the battle against the Amalekites. Before that, we haven't heard of him. And yet he was one of the Israelites. He was born into slavery. He was one who saw, witnessed the 10 plagues. He was one of those who crossed through the Red Sea. He lived in tents in the wilderness with the people. He thirsted at the waters of Meribah that God made sweet by the tree. He gathered every morning, except for on the Sabbath, the manna that God gave. And that is what he was sustained by for over 40 years. He drank the water that came from the rock. He was sheltered by the cloud by day and warmed and led by the pillar of fire at night. In other words, he shared in all the experience of Israel. He was one of Israel. Joshua had led the fledgling army of Israel in battle when they were attacked by the Amalekites. Joshua had accompanied with Moses to Mount Sinai and waited for Moses as he met with God. Joshua had remained at the tabernacle where God's presence hovered. And Joshua, again, had been one of the spies who had gone into the land of Cana and brought back a good report. He was one who saw the greatness of the land and was blessed by the greatness of the land and understood the goodness of God's promises and intentions. And though he had seen the giants, the fortified cities, and the people, he measured those against the promises and power of God. And he put more faith in the promises and power of God than the obstacles to those promises. God made it clear that Joshua would be the one who would lead the people into the long-awaited promises of God. And the people would enter if they would receive the promise, fight for the promises, 
and possess the promises, but all this would be, depend on their compliance, obedience, and cooperation with Joshua. Unless Joshua led them, they wouldn't be able to enter. And unless they followed and cooperated and obeyed, they, the forces would be too much against them. In many ways, Joshua is a typology of Jesus. God desires to bring us into all his promises. The name Jesus is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua or Yahshua, Yahshua. And the name means God is salvation. The law could never bring us into the good things that God desired to give man. And the law is represented by Moses, the lawgiver. The best efforts of Israel on their best days, they could not merit, they could not earn the promises of God. On their best days, they couldn't keep the law. They couldn't live up to the expectations and that's why they had to keep offering sacrifices because they couldn't. They couldn't be obedient. They couldn't be compliant. Rebellion was born in their heart and even 40 years of trudging through the wilderness could not get rid of the rebellion. They needed a Joshua. A Joshua who kept the law for them. The Joshua that we read about in the book of Joshua in, in Numbers in Deuteronomy, he was among them, and yet he wholly followed the Lord. He did not become like the people. He remained pure, dedicated to God, obedient to the law. Like Joshua, God sent Jesus to keep the law for us because we couldn't. Even on our best days, we do not merit the promises of God. Even on our best days, we cannot earn the promises of God. Our best efforts fall short of such exceedingly great and divine promises. When I first married Brian, well, it was after about five years, I began to realize what an amazing package I had gotten. I have to just tell you that. I, I married an, an awesome man. I, you know, I think seeing him as a father I was like, whoa, this guy is great. And when we moved to Vista, there were a couple women in the church that had crushes on him. And they were really good looking. And I remember, I, I was kind of a mixed up person. And I remember saying, Brian, if you would, I can pray the Lord that I can die and you can marry someone so much better who will be a better pastor's wife and be beautiful, more intellectual and all that. But I'd be like, I don't want them. I want you, okay? That's why I married you. We have kids. They want you as their mother. They share your gene pool. You know, quit going crazy on me. You know, maybe you need hormones. I don't know, but stop this. But you know, there are times that we look at the promises and we say, I don't deserve this. These are exceedingly great. These are beyond me. These are so good. I didn't build this. I didn't earn this. I didn't dig this well. I didn't build this house. I didn't dig this well. I didn't plant this orchard. I don't deserve this. We can't earn them. Not our best efforts. 
We don't deserve them on our best days. But Jesus deserves all the promises. Jesus earned all the promises. He was completely without sin. He lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death we deserved. And he merited all the promises. He earned all the promises. All those promises in the Bible that are conditional. If you will do this, then. Well, we, we miss the if factor. But Jesus fulfilled all the requirements to receive the promises of God. The law could never bring us in to the good things God intended. The law actually kept men and keeps men from the promised land. It keeps us out. It's the barrier from the promises of God. But Jesus, through his righteousness in his life, opened wide all the promises of God. As it says in 1 Corinthians 1.20, again, as we talked about last week, all the promises of God are in Christ. And they're yes, all answered, all available, and amen, or so be it, or paid in full through Jesus. We're told that Jesus experienced all that men experience, all the temptations, all the hardships. And yet, according to Hebrews 4.15, he was without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he kept the law perfectly. And Jesus fought our battles and was victorious, Colossians 2. 14 through 15. And according to Hebrews 2.10, he is the captain of our salvation. He was victorious against death and sin on the cross. And Jesus causes us to possess by grace all the spiritual blessings in high places and all the promises of God found in the Bible. Jesus didn't do this by separating himself from men but becoming one of us and living among us and experiencing all that we experience. You read in the gospel, Jesus thirsted, Jesus hungered, Jesus wept, Jesus was angry, Jesus felt, Jesus saw, Jesus lived among men and he knows the forces against us. Jesus felt rejection beyond any rejection we will ever feel. Jesus was forsaken, not just by the disciples, but by the Father who could not look at sin so that we might never be forsaken. Jesus felt the depth of darkness that we might be in the light. Jesus was disowned by his Father on the cross that we might be adopted as the daughters of God. He became one of us. That all that he merited, all that he deserved might become ours. That he might open the doorway to us. As he says in John chapter 10, I am the door. As he said in, in John 14, no man comes to the Father but by me. 
I'm the way in to all the promises. Our Yeshua, our Jesus, is the way into promises we did not merit, promises we did not earn. But these promises are ours simply because we believe in, follow, and obey our Jesus. Just like Israel, by following Joshua, would receive houses they didn't build, harvest wheat and barley fields they did not sow, gather fruit from trees they didn't plant, and drink from wells they didn't dig. Through Jesus, we receive these same things. The Old Testament, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 11, paints the pictures that the New Testament explains. It's called progressive revelation. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus explains to Cleopas and another disciple how that the Bible from Genesis all the way through the law, the books of history, the books of poetry, and the prophets is all about him because he is the Messiah. In John 5, 39, he said to the, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you do search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but these are they which testify of me. In Psalm 40, Jesus says by the spirit working through the psalmist, in the volume of the book is written about me. I come to do your will. The volume of the book, it's all about Jesus. And Joshua is a typology, is a picture of how Jesus wants to bring us into all the promises. Jesus who experienced life, Jesus who earned the promises, Jesus who is righteous, brings us into all the promises of God. As we study Joshua, we will continue to see these parallels, not only with Jesus, but with our own life and with our own possession of the promises. Yet, as you learn in semantics, there's something that's called the failure of analogy, that no analogy, no comparison is perfect especially when you're talking about Jesus. For as great and as wonderful as the Old Testament Joshua was, we will discover that our Jesus is greater because he's greater in power. Jesus is not only our leader, but he is our great high priest. He intercedes for us before the throne of God. And he knows exactly what we need. He knows our failures and the places we're going to fail and what we need to get up, dust off, and continue into the promise. He has greater power than this Joshua, and he takes us into all the promises of God. He has already won and earned every single promise. Joshua of the Old Testament could only be in one location or another. But our Jesus is with us always and in every place and wherever we go. This Joshua, in the book of Joshua, he's old. He's 80 years old. And at the end of Joshua, we're going to find that Joshua was old and well stricken in years. What is it to be stricken in years? But our Jesus is eternal and ageless. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And as we're told in the Bible, he does not change. Jesus 
Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the work that Jesus has done is greater. He has not just saved us from our mortal enemies, but he has saved us from death itself. And he has conquered the power of sin. The character of Jesus is greater. He is always wise. He is always compassionate. He is always righteous. He is always strong. He is always courageous. The sacrifice of Jesus is greater. Jesus gave us his life. So there is no more need of sacrifices of lambs and goats and doves and birds and bulls. There's no more need because Jesus has been sacrificed for us. The price has been paid for our sins. Now there is no possibility of being disqualified from God's promises because Jesus has already qualified us so that all the promises are assured because we're with Jesus. They are, again, yes, and so be it to the glory of God. Jesus' leadership is greater. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, because of who he is, according to Psalm 23, because of his goodness. There are no wrong turns under his leadership. And Ephesians 2.10 tells us that he leads us into all the good works, which God has already provided that we should walk in. These good works are already there. The vineyards are already there. The orchards are already there. The trees are dripping with fruit. And he leads us in to those orchards and those vineyards and those places that he's already prepared that we should walk in. We have greater promises in Jesus than even these people, these Israelites under Joshua's leadership. Second Peter 1.4, I said, I might mention this every week, and I think I will, that we have these exceedingly great and precious promises. Uh, and I just went to Ephesians 1 just to, just to kind of highlight just some of the spiritual blessings. We have abundant life. We have love. We have peace. We have joy. We have strength in our weakness, acceptance, God's constant presence, God's favor, just to name a few of the greater things that we have because of Jesus, God's constant power. We're going, our destination, our objective is a greater land. Our ultimate destination is heaven. And he's already gone into the land before us, not only spied it out, but ruling over it and preparing a place for us that where he is, we might also be. And he promised in John 14, 1, when that time comes, that either we will get a personal escort by Jesus into heaven, or we will get a corporate one together through the rapture. Today, the promises of God are assured to you through Jesus. Jesus is our Yeshua, and he is leading us into all the promises of God. And Jesus calls you. He calls me to follow him into all these promises. And though they tarry, though they're delayed, 
Though obstacles seem to bar the way, the way has already been opened. The stone has been rolled away. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus will bring you into all God's promises at unexpected times, through unexpected means, in unexpected ways. But he will bring you into all the promises of God. The book of Joshua is a foretaste and foreshadows how we also enter in and possess the promises of God when we follow and obey the ultimate Yahshua, the ultimate salvation. Jesus, our Messiah, will bring us into all the promises of God. As we study the book of Joshua, we can see how Joshua is a picture of Jesus. Just as Joshua was sent to lead the Israelites into the promised land, a land they didn't deserve, Jesus came to lead us into all the promises of God. We don't deserve them and could never earn them, but they are ours simply because we believe in, follow, and obey our Savior Jesus. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the importance of being prepared as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.